Thank you, choir and orchestra. I was listening to that song. I haven't heard it before. I like it. Unfortunately, probably most of us would say that that something has to happen in our lives to bring us to the end of ourselves before God can take hold of our lives. Wish that weren't so with me, but that is uh, usually true with me. Dr. Lee Scarborough was president of Southwestern Seminary, one of the early presidents of Southwestern Seminary. His little son came home from Sunday school one Sunday where they had been teaching about Jonah. And he said to his dad, Dad, do you really believe that a fish can swallow a man and keep that man alive for three days and three nights? Dr. Scarborough said, well, son, if God can create man out of nothing and he can create all the creatures of the world, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, don't you think God can create a fish that could swallow a man and keep him alive for three days? And his son said to him, well, if you're going to bring God into it, then that's different. As we look at the miracles of Jesus, that's what I want to do is to bring God into it because I believe that God is a miracle-working God. I really believe that God works miracles. I believe that He heals. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about what we oftentimes see on television and healing services, but I believe that God is sovereign and believe that God heals according to His sovereignty. In fact, recently we heard the testimony of Byron Henson as he spoke about God's grace and mercy in healing. I believe that God heals. I believe that God answers prayers. He answers the big prayers. Another member of our church, Kevin Welch, would tell you that God answers the big prayers because God has answered so many of his prayers concerning his health. God answers the little prayers. Oftentimes we think that something is too insignificant for God to be interested in. I remember when my children were little and Linda used to teach them to pray about the little things. When they would lose something, she would say, have you prayed about it? Have you asked God to show you where that is, whatever it was that they had lost? Believing that if they learned to trust God with the little things, then they would be able to trust Him with the big things. I believe that God answers prayer. But you might ask, Aren't those who believe in miracles intellectually naive? I mean, isn't it sort of, honestly, if we're, if we're talking seriously about it, isn't it a little bit like believing in the tooth fairy or believing in the Easter bunny or the chicken curse or something else? Isn't it, isn't it sort of like that, really? That a person who believes that God performs miracles, that they're intellectually naive? Former Supreme Court Justice Scalia, who is normally thought, at least in conservative circles, to have been the brightest justice on the court, said, what is irrational, what is irrational is to reject the possibility of miracles and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is precisely what the worldly wise do. We're looking at the miracles of Jesus. We looked at the one where he turned the water into wine. We saw the healing of the nobleman's son, the paralytic, 
And today we look at the feeding of the 5,000. Take your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 6 beginning in verse number 33. And the people saw them going and many recognized them and they ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of him. And when he went ashore he saw a great multitude and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And it, when it was already quite late, his disciples came up to him and began saying, The place is desolate and it's already quite late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread? and give them something to eat. And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go look. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. And he commanded them all to recline by groups on the green grass, and they reclined in companies of hundreds and fifties. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up twelve full baskets of the broken pieces and also of the fish. And there were five thousand men who ate the loaves. As we look at this story, there are three things I want you to see with me today. The first is there is no problem too big for God. Now we see the problem here in verse number 34. When he went ashore, he saw a great multitude, and he felt compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Now when the Bible says that he saw the multitude, the word saw that is used there means to see, but also to know. In other words, he saw the number of people who were there, but he also knew the condition that they faced. It means to see and to know. He saw and he understood. Now, what was the condition there? What was the problem? He said they were like sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus looked at this multitude, he saw people who were like sheep that had no shepherd. Hebert wrote, the picture drawn from the Old Testament portrays them as helpless, lacking nourishment, guidance, and protection, exposed to the perils of dispersion and destruction. He saw that the religious leaders did not meet the spiritual needs of the people. So when Jesus then saw these people he saw them as not having their spiritual needs met. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They were also hungry. In verse number 36, the disciples said, Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So they had come to see Jesus, but they had not prepared for food. They had come not planning to satisfy their hunger. Now Jesus already knew the answer to the problem. 
the circumstances were certainly not favorable. In fact, there in verse number 35, the disciples said to him, the place is desolate. Jesus, look around. The pla- the, there's nothing here. The place is desolate where we are. Was Jesus unaware of that? Had he not seen that the place was desolate? Jesus, the place is desolate. These people are hungry, and there's not a McDonald's to be seen anywhere. The place is desolate, and it's quite late already. In other words, it was already past time to eat. And so in verse number 36, they said, Send them away so they may go into the countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Now, the disciples were concerned about the people also. But their solution was a natural solution rather than a solution of faith. So the disciples saw the people as well. They saw that they were hungry, and they said, let's send them home that they can get something to eat. These people are hungry. They need something to eat. Now, look at verse 37. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. Jesus is never caught off guard as far as the disciples were concerned. He was not aware that it was desolate here, that there was nothing for these people to eat. But Jesus knew what he was going to do. He is never caught off guard. Corey Ten Boom said, there is, no, there is no panic in heaven, only plans. Jesus had a plan. He said, you give them something to eat. The word you that is used there is emphatic and it means you and you alone. Jesus turned to the disciples and said, yes, the people are hungry. Now you feed them. You and you alone. Emphatic. And Jesus wasn't looking for McDonald's. Now the disciples looked around and said, the place is desolate. There's nothing here. There's no place to buy anything. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. That command is in all four of the Gospels, and this is the only miracle that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. So I look at this, look at the story. It seems to me that the needs we face are always greater than our ability to meet them. Doesn't it? The needs we face are always greater than our ability to meet them. Verse 37b And they said to him, shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? Jesus said, you feed them. Jesus, should we go and spend 200 denarii to buy them some bread? 200 denarii was a working man's salary for about eight months. Lord, we don't have enough. We don't have that kind of money. We're not wealthy people. To feed these people. They didn't have enough. It reminds me of the story of the widow of Zarephath in the Old Testament. Elijah came to her and said, give me something to eat. But she said, well, I don't have enough. First Kings chapter 17, verse 12. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread. And behold, I'm gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said, give us something to eat. She said, we don't have it. He said, we just have just a little bit. And I'm about to prepare that for my son and I, and then we are going to die. We don't have enough. Have you noticed that in your own life? 
There's never enough for the needs. That's true in the church. We never have enough for the ministries whenever we prepare the budget every year and the staff members begin to pray and to analyze and to anticipate what they want to do this next year. Then they'll come in and ask for some ridiculous amount of money and we'll say, you've got to go back and redo this. There's never enough. There's never enough for missions. You want the missions that you want to do, there's never enough. We had a meeting last week on the, the um, why where we are configuring that for students. And uh, there, it's going to be, a, it, let me tell you something, it is going to be a fabulous building. I am so excited about it. And, and we're going to have to arrange for, you know, little groups to go in and look at it because you're going to be impressed with it. But there were some things we were talking about. We said, we don't have the money for that. You know, it's going to be a great building, but we're not able. The point that I'm making is that no matter who you are, we face these needs and we never have enough. The first thing I see here is that there is no problem too big for the Lord. We don't have enough, but there's no problem too big for the Lord. Second thing I see is that there's no person too small for God to use. Look at verse number 38. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go look. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. So as John tells this same story, he says that they began to go around to the multitude that was there and said, did you bring anything? And they found a little boy, a lad. And the scripture says that he had five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, when it says that he had five loaves of bread, that is speaking of barley bread. That was the cheapest kind of bread. That was the bread of very poor people. Five loaves of bread and two fish. The fish would have been about the size of sardines. They are just little fish. So he had five loaves of barley bread and two fish. But they transferred that to the control of Jesus. Folks, no matter how little we have, we are to transfer it to the control of Jesus. Now look at verse number 41. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. All right, so... They, they go out to look for something. They find a lad. He has five loaves and two fish. He gives it to the disciples. The disciples give it to Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus receives it, but they gave it all to Jesus. You remember the story in the New Testament about the woman Mary who wanted to do something for Jesus to express appreciation. So the Bible says that she anointed his feet with her perfume. And in Mark chapter 14, verse number 8, Jesus said she has done what she could. She wanted to do something, and she did what she could. There are some of you who would think that you are too insignificant for God to use, or what you have is too little to be important. But my friend, it is not the significance of the person or the amount of the gift. It is the heart that interests God. God is interested in the condition of your heart. So they transferred to Jesus the control of the five loaves and two fish. And in his hands, 
he transformed it from something that was little to something that was much. I like what I read here, verse number 41. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them, and he divided up the two fish among them all. You know what I like about that? They had five barley loaves, two little fish, about like sardines, and they gave it to Jesus to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. What would you have done? I know what I would have done. What do you think I'm going to do with five barley loaves and two fish? I can't do anything with that. I can't feed this multitude with that. But Jesus blessed it. He didn't criticize their lack. He thanked the Father for what they had. And so the Bible says that he blessed it. And then in verse number 42, it says, And they all ate. Because in the hands of God, what we have is always enough. What you have is enough. Mary's perfume, she did what she could. But you know that was enough? Because the scripture says in Mark 14, verse 9, And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, that also which this woman has done shall be spoken of in memory of her. She did what she could, but it was enough. And Jesus said that from here out, people will be speaking of this woman. There's a story in the Bible about the widow who came to give her offering. She gave two mites, which was basically nothing. In fact, two mites would be about one-fourth of a cent. So what she gave was basically nothing, but it was enough. Because the Bible says in Mark 12, 43, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. Jesus said she gave more than anyone else. Why? Because they gave out of their abundance. She gave out of her poverty. She gave two mites and it was enough. Folks, I want you to understand that your service to the Lord is important. You see, you might not see it as important, but it's important to the Lord. Our ushers, they don't get a lot of attention, you know, but boy, they make people feel comfortable when they come in. They welcome people, make them feel comfortable. That work is so important. The nursery workers, people with our children, you don't even know who it is unless it's your wife or husband or someone There are people down with the children right now investing in them. Their work is important. They're investing in the lives of those children. That's important work. Bus drivers. I mean, those those who transport us from one place to another when you're going on a youth, our college students, our buses didn't take our college students, I don't think, did they? No, they rode camels. But they're in New York or something, and they're... Those people with them, that's important. Those people who drive the bus, that's important. Those who take care of the children, that's important. These deacons down here take up the offering. When they're awake, they take up the offering. And that's important. 
Your work is important to God. No matter how insignificant you might see it, it's important to the Lord. No person is too small for God to use. The third lesson I learned is that there is no need left unmet. In verse number 42, the Bible says, And they all ate and were satisfied. Jesus satisfies, obviously, the physical needs, but he also satisfies the spiritual needs because he is the spiritual bread that satisfies. I know that there are people who believe in the social gospel and they believe that if, if we give people a house, education, health care, all of these things, then they're going to be satisfied. How many trillions of dollars have we spent doing that and yet they're not satisfied? There are those who believe in the prosperity gospel that if we give people money, they are going to be satisfied and we have more than we've ever had. And yet we're not satisfied. President Trump says, I know some very rich people are unhappy. The truth of the matter is that longing in your heart, that emptiness in your heart, it can only be filled by God. One theologian years ago said that man is made with a God-like blank. Inside man there is a blank that can only be filled by God. Now we try to fill that with wealth. We try to fill it with alcohol. We try to fill it with drugs. We try to fill it so that we feel all right, but there's only one thing that will ever satisfy that longing of your heart, and it's Jesus, because he is the spiritual bread. He is the supernatural bread. In John chapter 6, verse 31 and 32, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus therefore said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. You see, the manna that was given in the Old Testament was a picture of the true bread, and Jesus is the true bread. In John chapter 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. He is the satisfying bread. Only Jesus can satisfy the longing of our hearts. Now, look at verse 43. And they picked up 12 full baskets of the broken pieces and also of the fish, and there were 5,000 men who ate the loaves. So, they were immediately satisfied, but there were leftovers. Spiritually, that speaks of eternal satisfaction. That when I come to Christ, I am satisfied because I am forgiven. I become a child of God. There is a satisfaction that comes to me. But I am eternally satisfied in Jesus. Now, let me conclude. I really believe that Jesus is the answer to our needs. So I would say to you, seek him first. Normally what we do is to seek the blessings of God. When we pray, God bless me, take care of my family, heal my loved one. We seek the blessings of God and that's fine. 
But first, we are to seek Him. The Bible says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Seek Jesus first. Seek Jesus to satisfy your spiritual hunger. There are some of you, and I know that you are looking for satisfaction in wealth and think that if I can just get enough money, I'm going to be satisfied. You're looking for satisfaction in pleasure. If I do this, I'm going to be satisfied. You're looking for satisfaction in fame. If people know who I am, I'm going to be satisfied. The only thing that will satisfy the longing of your heart is Jesus. Seek Him today. Because the Bible says we are to seek Him while He may be found. And Moses warned, my spirit will not always strive with man. How do you seek Jesus? My friend, God loves you. And that is even more precious when the Bible tells us that we are sinners. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all are sinners. So God then sent his only son to die on the cross to pay for our sins. And all of my sins and all of your sins were laid on Jesus. And he paid for them. Therefore he offers to you the gift of eternal life if you put your faith in him. Have you ever trusted Christ? I'm not asking if you're a good person, if you're a member of a church, if you've been baptized, confirmed, gone through catechism. Have you ever committed your life to Jesus Christ? Because he is the only way of salvation. No man comes to the Father, he said, but through me. Today it is my prayer that you will trust Christ if you never have. Father, I come to you to lift up this time of invitation and ask, Lord, your blessings on it. I pray, Father, for those who have never come to know Christ, that today they would be with those who need to make other commitments. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir will sing and the invitation is extended. Staff will be here at the front. If you've never trusted Christ, come today and receive him. The staff will pray with you. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open. We'd love to have you as part of our congregation. Stand with me, please. As we stand, they sing, you come, I'll greet you as you do.
But don't forget that next week, 